It's a bit like like a real travel guide. So the, right. the the parts you're interested in, you will visit. The other parts you just leave out. And I think by using travel or the travel guide as the metaphor to tell your story about the collaboration and social technology through storytelling is really really powerful. Hi, I'm Paul Miller, and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices, and people that are impacting the new digital worlds where we all work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking, and boutique consulting services. And if you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And today's show is called a travel guide for your social collaboration road trip. And if that's a subject that you're interested in, and I'm hoping since you're listening to the podcast that you are interested in it, then do tune into Book Your Place for Digital Workplace 24 on February the 26th and 27th, 2019. It's our 24-hour round-the-world festival taking you through lots and lots of different digital workplaces, intranets, collaborative environments. We've already got a fantastic set of guests, including Dennis Agusi from Philips, Andrea Brandt from Adobe, Troy Campano from Liberty Mutual, Leanne Canold from Schneider, Patrick Elatavoru from Finair, Ephraim Freed from The Beautiful Group, Diana Langley from Oxfam, Dion Hinchcliffe, Constellation Research, and Samia Mellon, World Bank, Lucas Maburu, Save the Children, Ross Perry from the University of Leicester, Josh Simons from Harvard, Susan Quain from Fidelity, Daniel Ranter from GE, and we have new studio guests being signed up by the day. So they're going to be bringing expertise, live tours, insights, all the practices that have made their digital workplaces something that we think is worth sharing. And you can organize within your own organization. You can either book your own place for Digital Workplace 24, sit back and just enjoy bits of the show as you wish, or you can create your own viewing party within your organization. So that involves really trying to create your own digital workplace festival within your organization using all this fantastic content which just gets piped into your organization. So you can book a series of conference rooms around the world, follow the sun like we're doing, and let all the content come to you. Use it as a way to create a conversation inside your organization about the digital workplace you deserve and without further ado now for today's show great to be sitting here on day two of the digital workplace group member meeting here in in amsterdam near the uh, ix stadium and i'm delighted to be joined by gert niers who is a learning architect for KBC, a Belgium bank. I think that's the correct way to describe you and it. Yeah, great. Geert. And also by Nikki Allett. Uh, and Nikki is the head of communications for corporate functions and internal communications, digital strategy at Syngenta, based in Switzerland. That's right, yes. Yeah. So the thing that kind of got me interested in chatting to both of you this morning was your new 
soon to be published i think book yeah get and i'll describe it as a travel guide a rough guide a um journey map to kind of social technologies how would how would you describe it well i want to describe it more as an alternative way of uh, implementing social technology not from a technological point of view but more to change the behavior of people and as a facilitator to move with your organization towards a more networked organization so this is not done quite often yet so this is why it became a kind of a travel guide a kind of an expedition towards a country that's not well known yet so you will have to yeah discover it while you are uh, on the way let's say so so how does a learning architect at uh, at a bank decide that they're going to write a travel guide to social tools yeah that's also main, mainly to do with my background i'm ict guy as a background so i was a bit involved in the introduction of the social tool in our company um, and there i experimented a lot tried <coughs> things out uh, what did work what didn't work and uh, so it, it keep on going in my head and so the idea came up to me to create a kind of travel guide to help other organizations so where did you get that idea from are you, are you somebody who likes traveling are you somebody who is passionate about travel guides because the thing that i think that that struck me when you were um, walking through me the beautifully designed draft yesterday is is how powerful that metaphor is yeah it, it's I, I i like to travel for sure but it's more the idea that we are looking for a, a whole continent like say that's not discovered yet and i want to give some some guidance to to start your discovery um, because I, I haven't seen a lot of companies already that succeeded, really succeeded to change the mindset in the company. They implemented tools from a technological point of view, but a lot of people are still using this tool in the old mindset, and this is a bit kind of conflicting. So could you give me a, uh, an example of a, a journey or a, um, uh, some example from the book? Yeah, uh, the, the first walk I described for the team is just to experiment the tool play with it not start with a, a whole complicated training to explain all the buttons in the tool because people are not interested in those buttons they they, they don't know where to use it for so just develop a kind of scenario where you inspire people to talk what they're doing what they're doing at home what they're doing at work and start from this this session and built on that towards narrating about your work, sharing your learning moments, reflecting about your work in an open atmosphere so that everybody uh, becomes better at his job and that the team becomes more and more an, a, a very integrated team where they know what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are, so that, they, that uh, the, how the work is organized also improves. Mm. And is this, uh, uh, you're expecting people to go on the whole journey, or is it something that you can do little bits of? How do you think uh, it's, about that? It's a bit like, like a real travel guide. So the, right. the, the parts you're interested in, you will visit. The other parts you just leave out. Uh, and also, like like real travel guides, some people are, are more interested in the in the nature. Others are more interested in the in the cities. So you you can make your own mix so, out of so it. So what's the equivalent of the, of nature in your social collaboration world? What's, a, what's a, a visit to a beautiful forest look like? 
Well, that's a difficult question. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it depends for uh, everybody individually what, what your preferences are. But um, I think you can have some accents in, in, the, in, the, in the walks because some people are more interested in, in uh, integrating the team more as a whole, so more the team dynamics, or you can put more the emphasis on on the self-reflection part so that each individual becomes better in in reflecting about his or her work so you can put some accents in it if you want and and uh, you yourself what kind of what things attract you in a, a travel guide are you somebody who goes for some aspects of the the the, the book what what's what's your kind of preferred attractions yes what what you also inspired is that Often in, in the social technology world, you see those use cases, this mechanical form of trying to repeat fixed scenarios that worked maybe for one team, but is, are, is not working for, for other teams, but still we try to convince people to follow that use case. For me, it's more like it's a kind of an inspiration source and you can pick out some elements and, and make your own journey with it. Mm. So... I gave you the example yesterday of a team that used it because the team was spread over three locations. So they find a way to become a stronger team, even though they only met each other once a month because they shared continuously messages with each other. Another team was inspired by this, but they, have a, they had a different issue. They didn't have different locations, but they had those boring every morning stand-up meetings they didn't like it anymore. So they used the same technology to replace this morning session, this week daily huddle, by replacing it by social technology. So this, they completely get rid of the, the meeting moment, but they had a different way of communicating with each other. Mm. So this is two completely different scenarios with the same tool. And what, what I like about this idea is that, that by creating, if you like, different journeys or trips that you can make, um, you're really showing that actually different people or different teams um, are attracted to different things, just like we're attracted to different things yeah. when we go, you know, if you take uh, 10 different people and put them in Paris, they're, they're, they're all going to want to see somewhat different things. There are probably some common things that they'd like yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah. Some are, are like the atmosphere of a big city. Some mm. want to visit museums. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit like that. And, and Nikki, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this this idea of stories and the importance of stories as as a way of bringing ideas to life for people. Is that something that you've found has been useful during your career? Yes, yeah, storytelling is really powerful. And um, just just to say, what really fascinating way and a clever way to tell your story in an, in an inspiring and engaging way. And I think by using travel or the travel guide as the metaphor to tell your story about the collaboration and social technology through storytelling is really, really powerful and t tools that uh, communicators often use because they do, stories do create meaning for people. They do um, make it memorable for people and they also build connections. So making sure that the right conversations and the right dialogues are being happen happened. Um, stories are also really powerful because they tap into people's emotions and therefore that um, is then inspiring people and also influencing people. And by doing that, then you're creating and driving change. So you're getting people to take action. 
So I think it's a really exciting um, project that you've been working on, and I can't wait to, to see it and read it. Yeah, it's almost finished, yeah. Yes, yes, and it's been quite a labor of love for you, Gert. Yeah, it is, it is. It is. Yeah. It's hard work. <laughs> every, every day you spend a bit yeah. of your time to... Yeah. No, and I think the, the whole idea of stories is really... Uh, I mean, I, I think it's, as you say, Nikki, uh, it's such a powerful way of communicating, and it, it does make me wonder why it's not used more in organizational change and change management. Do you have any views on that? Um, I think it's uh, for a story to be powerful, particularly from a, a, a company perspective, it's really important that it's co-created and not just one or two people or it just comes from the top. It has to resonate with everybody. And I think that's easier said than done. So um, t time investment in creating your narrative or your story is absolutely essential. And I think that's also a bit of a blocker because people need the headspace to take a step away to be able to create that story in the first place. But I think it's the time that you spend is time well invested. And once you get your employees um, behind your narrative and to be able to tell it in an engaging, inspiring way, it can be a hugely powerful tool, not only internally, but also externally. Mm. And it sort of goes, doesn't it, Gert, to just uh, our own evolution as a species, really. You know, um, you know, if you look at the uh, uh, Sapiens, the book by Yuval Noah Harari, where he talks about the way we've evolved and the power of the importance of, of gossip, um, the, the importance because it actually creates social glue. And all organizations, we, 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 you know, there, there's a level of gossip inside organizations. It's, it's seen to be something that's really quite sort of unimportant but actually is part of the the glue obviously all of these things have their can it can get taken to an extreme but um um i've certainly seen in organizations the 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 way that stories particularly these sort of origin stories of how the company uh, made a transition i mean we <clears throat> um we all benefited um from the story that ing told us yesterday when we were going around their offices and i was really bowled over by this um, dramatic restructuring that they've gone through to move from a, what I'd think of as a traditional hierarchy to a much flatter organization using agile technology the way that they and the story I suppose that stuck stuck with me was the was the fact that all the senior management have given up uh, well a they're dressing differently and b where they sit is just in the, you know, collaborative spaces that everybody else is sitting in. And I think that story, I suspect, probably has gone around ING as an organization. They're up to something sort of strange, you know, in Holland yet again. And I think actions, just you don't have to say a lot, but I think actions are also a very um, important element of storytelling. So by, you know, those executives giving up their office and are now part of the collaborative teams is a very powerful story in itself, isn't it? Mm. But they didn't probably have to communicate so much verbally around that. It was more an action Absolutely, and those things become part of the folklore. So have you used um, things that have uh, in your work at KBC in, in the book, Gert, or um, are these things you're bringing into your organization? Well, 
some of the part of the book is based, of course, of my experience experiments we did. But uh, the book was a way f a lot further than what we actually did uh, in my company. Um, I will definitely try some things out further in in the in the time in my company. Um, yeah, but it's it still remains. It's it's like experimenting, trying things to do, and. Uh, what's also really important is what we just said is that uh, it's not about management talking about social technology. They should use it themselves. And this, I think, is a big area where we still can improve a lot because they they don't use it yet. So this gives a complete wrong image to the, to the people because they say yeah, the bosses are not there, so it's probably not important. Mm -hmm. And that's it's not a good, uh, a good sign they give. Yeah, and, and, and most of the time, they are not aware about that. They think about telling about it that it's enough, but that's not enough. You should be visible also on the platform. Yeah, mm. I think that's something at Syngenta. We our Yammer group is is quite active, and what's been absolutely key to its success is the leadership involvement. They have to be able to you know walk that talk and be be visible on it and really use it in a authentic way, and that has really helped yeah. us. And, and also, if they tell we want to evolve to a network organisation, but they continue to reply to their own co-workers and not co-workers from another department, they give in the wrong signal again. So they have also to demonstrate that they really want to shift to a more networked organization and also, yeah, mm. react to people they are not belonging to their own department. Yeah, I mean, and we, we, we all experience the level of kind of information and and um, data that we're kind of surrounded by. And, and stories strike me that there's something that can kind of make sense of the world around us for us. Um, because I think one of the things that particularly in organizations that people are craving um, from the digital workplace and just from their experience of work is some level of simplicity and some kind of level of flow. So it's not that we need... Um, in a way to kind of more data and information. We just want to have an, an ability to kind of navigate it, to take your your metaphor. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. To, and also to, to bring it closer to their own world and explain that this is not something that's really new. If, if uh, I may compare it with uh, when you visit a cafe at night, you talk with people, if, <clears throat> if, if they talk about something you're not interested, you just move on to the next group. And that's a bit the same in social technology as well. But a lot of people think when they think about digital communication, then their brains switch immediately to email mode. And social technology is not about emailing, it's about a digital conversation, conversation we are, like we're having now. Mm. So you're seeing the, the, these technologies as being more like just a physical conversation. Yeah. But they just happen to be in a digital yeah, that's Sphere. true. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I've certainly found that um, in my own experience within DWG, um, that that uh, Yammer, which is the social tool that we mostly use, um, does allow you to try and have this what I think of as sort of digital intimacy, a digital kind of uh, the sort of natural thing that you get in physical settings, but um, online. Um, and if you've got somebody, Gert, in a um, uh, kind of 
department or a business unit that's quite new to this. How do you, if you like, sell this idea of using your expedition, your journey map as a, as a way to improve the performance, the engagement of that well, business? Well, that's, that's the difficult point today because we are so hierarchical based that if you can't manage to convince the manager, I, I tried it quite often to, to start this plan without involvement of the manager, but it really doesn't work. So at start, you need a manager and you need to push the top-down push a bit to get it started. And once it's starting the process, then the role of the manager, it's not fading out, but it's changing more to a coaching role and less mm. the purely management role. Uh, but it's very hard to start without involvement of the, the the line manager. Yeah, and I think if we kind of draw it into the ING analogy from, from last night, um, what struck me was that in, in your sort of travel guide, there are different different roles. So they have um, the chapter leader who strikes me as being maybe like a tour guide. Um, and then there's the agile coach who's sort of maybe going around with refreshments, making sure people, you know, anybody's got any disabilities on the walk, any things that they can't do. You know, and I, what I liked about that approach, it wasn't just one manager trying to, in a way, achieve a, quite different things. The chapter leader is about skill set, um, sort of knowledge, capability. The agile coach is trying to keep the health of the whole squad, as they call it. It's in also place. about collaboration. Yeah. How do you collaborate? Yeah. yeah. So, so in this scenario where you're talking to, as you say, you're talking to the manager about this, uh, are they the are they the travel guide, or are, are you the travel guide? And there for well, what I propose in the book is to have two different roles. You have the manager, who starts from his current position as a manager. And eventually, you will evolve to more like a coach. And then you have a separate uh, travel guide who has the authority given by his manager to guide the group in this new way of working. And if you keep it separately and the travel guide is, is empowered by his manager, he can take the lead. Once you bump into conflicts, there is still your manager that can be kind of no negotiating between the team and the travel guide but the travel guide should really be the guy who is ahead and who is really innovative and who has the power to to uh, yeah, involve the other people to follow him and if, if you have both roles, separate roles then, then there can be a, a good play between those two roles it's a bit like the 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 art people in the middle ages they also have a messinas and who was there to provide him with food and with with a uh, bed to sleep. And the artist could, could do his, art, his creative stuff. It's a bit similar where the manager is the messinas who creates the context and who makes sure that the travel guide will survive. Uh, and the travel guide can be very innovative and uh, really disrupt the team. And uh, mm. This is really an interesting idea, isn't it, Nikki? That, that actually what teams departments require is is quite a, a number of people in sort of who are leading if you like or trying to enable different different aspects it strikes me that this is something that manufacturing 
organizations have been a bit more progressive with. If you think of, you know, automotive manufacturing over the last decades, it's, 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 there are different roles within the, the, the clusters, you know, in order to um, provide different services. Hmm. I think um, with you're, you're right. Everyone has to play. It's not just the leaders or the line managers, but also the employees. They have to be able to participate. And just an example at Syngenta, when we launched Yammer three years ago, we obviously started off with no members. We've now got over 20,000 members out of a 25,000 um, online population. And one of the things we did at the beginning was run a Syngenta Proud campaign. So we asked people, we asked our employees about why they are proud to work for Syngenta. So you've almost got to, you know, help them and then they start to participate. The other thing in parallel with that, we... Um, we had a sort of hashtag go see and that was aimed at the leaders and <clears throat> a go see is sort of going back to your manufacturing side of things an operational excellence terminology where you go a leader will go and see how the work is done so they understand how it's done and so when the leaders were going out into our manufacturing sites or just to other office locations they would um, describe in a sort of storytelling way their experience, take a photo and post on Yammer and thank people as well. So we're really using our social collaboration tools to share successes, to share learnings, to recognise people, getting people to ask questions, ask for help, um, or it could be just general uh, sort of conversations. So I think it's important to also show how these tools can be used as well. Absolutely, and um, that's uh, such a good point to um, end on. So I don't want to keep either of you uh, longer. We've got a another kind of full day ahead of us. So thank you so much, Nikki, for being on the podcast today. Thank and, you. And thank you, Gert, for all you've done with your fascinating new travel guide. And I'll look forward to visiting some of the attractions in there. Yes, thank you. me too. Thank you. Thank you. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the show, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash dwg underscore podcast this is paul miller wishing you well until next time